Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, I'm very delighted that today I have with me actually one of my favorite guests, Wendy Jones. Wendy is a pharmacist, a mother, and she has been, I believe, a La Leche League leader as well. Wendy is truly woman par excellence. Welcome to the show, Wendy. Hi, Marie. Nice to speak with you. Um, I've not been a La Leche League leader. I've been at UK Equivalent, which is the Breastfeeding Network, but it's a peer support, support group very much along the same lines as LLL. I think that's one of the things that I love most about you, Wendy, is I know you hold a PhD and heaven only knows how many other degrees, but you are so (laughs) real. You are so connected to what people really need to know. And that's what this show is all about. So it's really great that you have both the academic background as well as a real understanding of how to support mothers. And you've really been there, done that for sure. Uh, Wendy is also the author of a book, and uh, Wendy has been on the show before, but today we're going to talk about what I would loosely call creams and ointments. For as many years as I've been a nurse, it always seems to me that somebody's putting some sort of glop on their nipples, and (laughs) I'm not real sure that this stuff really is worth a whole lot, but I'm kind of in a bad spot when the mother says to me that she wants blinkety-blunk cream or ointment because the research is kind of thin on this. And so, and by the way, before the show, just a minute, I'm reaching over here on the other side of my desk. I printed out, well, not every uh, not every research study that has ever been done on this, but many, and it's still pretty slim. But Wendy, could we start out, please, with, would you just give us what you believe to be the most common lists of creams or ointments that you have seen mothers put on their nipples? And let's not really dive into those so much as, for the moment, I just want to look at the good, the bad, the ugly, just a list of stuff that mothers might recognize that they've either used or been told to use. And and I'm U.S.-based. I know that you're U.K.-based, so we'll have some different ideas here maybe. But uh, what would you say goes on that list? Well, I think we could take up the whole of this program just with going <laughs> through that list. <laughs> I hear um, you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when when I had my children 30-odd years ago, we all used something called Rotacep Spray. I don't know if you ever had that in the States. No. Uh, It was basically an aerosol spray which contained a chlorhexidine Savlon antiseptic. And it it was meant to protect the nipples and stop them having cracks. Very much like Lansino does at the moment. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Lancino is big. Well, Lancino is a brand name, but certainly a lanolin-based cream. All of the lanolin-based creams. Yeah, those are real big here in the U.S., yeah. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of women using creams to treat thrush. Uh Uh-huh. Often when actually they're still just starting out and they just have sore nipples and nobody's actually been able to help them. Oh, that's such a good point, yes. Um, Gentian violet. Comes, mm. goes, comes in and out of, of fashion. Gentian uh, Violet has not been very popular here in the U.S., maybe in the last, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. But before that, it was fairly popular. What, what else yeah. have you got up your sleeve there? Um, we have things like Calendula. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so many of these things claim to be preventing soreness happening. Mm-hmm. Or healing cracks when you and I know that actually they're not the magic ones, that they actually no. just really need some help with positioning and attachment. And actually, Wendy, I would take it even one step before that, which is uh, 
Many women have what I would call tender nipples, and that's not necessarily sore nipples. They are, uh, it's that physiologic, hormonally based sensitivity or tenderness or whatever that is. And uh, Wendy, I don't know if you're old enough to remember. No, I'm sure you're not old enough to remember uh, the work of, I believe it was Mavis Gunther in the 40s. And she said, and I really believe this, she said that in the beginning, women have these tender nipples. I don't know if she called them tender nipples, but I call them tender nipples because she said the baby is exerting negative pressure every time that he sucks. And the only time that he releases the negative pressure is when he swallows. Well, we all know that mothers have very little volume in those early days, and so they don't swallow very often. And so the baby does press, uh, give a lot of this negative pressure. So I would absolutely agree with you that some of it is positioning and latch. And I think that even earlier than that, it's just uh, the baby is exerting that negative pressure. Now I'm feeling a little bad. I should have put my... Uh, Oh, gosh, you know, a couple of years ago, I revised my learning module on sore nipples called uh, Sore Nipples Preventing and Problem Solving, Prevention and Problem Solving. And uh, I started out with that. And if it wasn't Mavis Gunther, it was somebody else who's older than both you and me, Wendy. I just (laughs) want to establish that here. (laughs) When Adam was a lad. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. When Adam was a lad, or, or as my father would say, when Adam was a pup, that's probably what Eve was too. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I it, I would agree with you. So many times it's it's there's supposed to be some magic bullet for prevention, and there just you know there really isn't. Um, all I right. So you reading something year, years ago, and and I can't remember where I read it that the pressure that a baby exerts in those first few days is yes. three times the relative suck of an adult. Oh, I didn't know about the three times the suck of an adult, I, but I would have doubt that. And not many of us are going to do anything that's going to exert that kind of pressure. But I remember when my my middle daughter gave birth um, coming up for three years ago, she was going through that sort of second, third day of, I just feel like they've been, my nipples have been sandpapered and and everything looked fine. And and I said, just keep going. You're fine. Let's put a bit of milk on. It'll be okay. She could no, I want some lanolin-based cream. Everybody else gets it. (laughs) Why won't you let me? You're such a horrible mother to me. You You won't buy this. So I yeah. went and bought it, and when I went back to the hospital with it, she just went, I was just seeing how far you'd go. <laughs> uh, and, you know, Wendy, I think that's why sometimes I roll over and say to the mother, okay, because otherwise she thinks I'm a bad nurse, a nasty nurse, an unsympathetic nurse, and I'm not. It's just that, um, and we're going to dive into this in the next section where we talk a little bit more about the efficacy of these things. But uh, by and large, uh, they're not as much of a magic bullet as mothers think or wish that, that they are. Now, Wendy, it's not a cream or an ointment, but are you folks using the um, the hydrogel dressings in the UK? It's starting to spread over here. Um, uh-huh. But one of the trouble is, because we have this different healthcare system, trying to get a prescription for it is very difficult because doctors don't want to spend their budget so mothers will buy them but then they'll reuse them all of the time and I'm really scared that people have a hydrogel dressing put it down on their coffee table while they feed and then they put it back on again and that risk of infection coming across there is is huge and and meanwhile you're, you're getting a lovely moist environment that is going to be wonderful for thrush growth to happen which, and again, which, by the way, you're not saying it will happen. You're just oh, saying no, it can just, happen. Yep, yeah, yeah. Wendy, you mentioned human milk, and I don't know if our listeners quite heard that when you were mentioning about your daughter. And uh, you know, honestly, I don't think that the research is real uh, solid on that. But yet, there's another part of me that really thinks, you know, just like common sense, it just seems like that should make 
since, well, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Uh, what what would you say you have seen for, you mentioned the calendula cream. What other kinds of herbal preparations have you seen on women's nipples? I think it, you name it, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so people are going things like um, aloe vera gels. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, which we don't have the evidence for. It's it's just searching somewhere for something that's going to take away the thing that they they fear most. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, have you seen really kind of like strange things? I'm thinking, for instance, here in the U.S., when I was younger, uh, well, younger than I am now, uh, <laughs> I heard people putting bag bomb on their nipples because, of course, it was used in the dairy industry. Now, I personally have never used that, but I know of gals that swear by it. And what about, uh, do you use um, uh, cocoa butter on nipples in the UK? No, we've not. It's coconut oil has seems oh, to have come Oh, coconut oil is big lately. Yep. Yes, yep. yes, I agree, yeah. Yeah, um, we had a similar one for, um, called Udsel many years ago when I worked in a, a country pharmacy, um, which again was used on, on cows to, to heal the nipples. But they were most of them were basically a petroleum jelly. Oh. Um, which is just a very, very simple, basic moisturizer. Right, right. And I think just, you know, that, that bit, as you say, about the, the friction that's there, the soreness and the tenderness, we just want... Something very simple just to soothe. Just like when you come, I've come in from my horses and my hands are sore and cracked because they're cold. Right. So I want a very simple moisture cream on there just to make them feel more supple. And I think there's that difference between being supple and being soggy. Oh, what a great insight, Wendy. The difference, I'm writing this down, the difference between being supple and being soggy, I would agree with that because I will admit I'm not big on all of this ointment and glop stuff, but um, on the other hand, I do see some women who have these very dry nipples because they have dry hands and they have dry feet and they have dry everything. And so I think that there is some... Uh, some belief that that works. By the way, I want to go back to that part about the, I've never heard about the the adult suck and how many millimeters of, of mercury they do or do not do. But I will tell you this, if my memory serves me right, it was in the 1950s that Einar Agnell showed that babies exert 240 millimeters of mercury pressure. Now, if you've ever seen a doctor inflate uh, or a nurse or whoever, yeah, yeah, uh, inflate a a blood pressure cup, you know, that's really a lot. And so I don't know if that's three times what an adult would do, but it's certainly a lot. Okay, everybody, do not go away. Oh, it is. It is. Don't go away because when Wendy and I come back, we're going to talk about whether or not this stuff works. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. If you think you've seen online TV before, 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, and I'm here today with pharmacist uh, Wendy Jones, who is in the UK. Wendy, before we put this show together, and I usually spend upwards of one full working day prepping for these shows, and I really went to dive into a bunch of this research that I swear I've read all of these, but I went back to look at them again, knowing I was going to do this show. And I looked at all of the uh, studies that there are on these lanolin-based products. And I wish I had counted them before we went on the show. But as I'm paging through here, I'm guessing there's maybe, I don't know, 12 or 15 in the last 20 or so years. And there's a couple of things that jumped out at me. Some of these seemed to say that lanolin had some effectiveness. Now, this is one that was by, I hope, I hope I'm not butchering this author's name. It's Abu Dakin and colleagues in 2011. And they said, and I quote, in our study, we found that HPA lanolin was more effective than expressed breast milk, inducing faster healing of nipple trauma, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, This was a comparative study, and so one of the questions that I would ask is, well, what would have happened if you would have put on human milk or nothing or or whatever? And also, I remember chasing down this journal, and it was not, as far as I could tell, a peer-reviewed journal. So that was not settling to me. Let's put it that way. Now, the next one is Brent's study. And again, this was a comparative study. And they said, and I quote, although both treatments in association with instruction in breastfeeding techniques were effective, greater improvement was seen in the group using the breast shells and lanolin. So then my question to that would be, well, maybe it was the breast shells that did the job. And by the way, breast shells here in the U.S., This is like such a controversial topic. We could talk all day about that. Um, Now, here's another one, which was about the, uh, the gel or moist wound healing ones. And here it said that more relief, this was from Cadwell's study et al., more relief from pain in the Soothies group, uh, glycerin gel treatment group, than um, the one with the lanolin cream. And then there was a, Really interesting study, and this one I think probably is the best because it was uh, published in the Cochrane database. It was from Cindy Dennis, who, and those of you who are professionals, if you don't know Cindy Dennis's work, you need to like listen up because Cindy Dennis is in, I believe she's in Canada, but she she does really good research, and she says that quote non pharmacological topical treatments, for example, lanolin dressings et cetera, et cetera. And then I can't quite see what I meant to, I, I only highlighted part of it. Let's see if I get her bottom line here. Oh, her bottom line was that there was there is insufficient evidence that glycerin gel dressings, breast shells with lanolin, lanolin alone, 
or the all-purpose nipple ointments significantly improved maternal perceptions. Now note that, perceptions of nipple pain. All right. And then another study from Dennis, her conclusion was, oh, this is about the uh, the apno cream. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. So, you know, really, the, when I looked at all of these studies, uh, basically what I found was that nobody seems to agree with anybody else. And I cannot find anything compelling, compelling. Oh, here's one on peppermint gel, by the way. That's by Melly and colleagues. Um, I can't find anything compelling for lanolin cream. So from the standpoint of being a pharmacist and knowing what's in this stuff, just tell us what do you think of lanolin-based creams? And are all of the lanolin creams-based, are they all the same? I think the the fact that some of the newer ones are hypoallergenic makes a huge difference because many people are allergic to lanolin and that is in most moisture creams that you put on eczema or anything else. So you're putting something that might cause an allergy on a nipple that's sore, you're going to have a very unhappy mum. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we need to do with moist wound healing is we're wanting to the skin to grow from the bottom of the crack upwards. Good, good point. So if you just slather a lot of cream onto the top of the nipple, then you're going to end up with a soggy nipple. Right. And just like it, when you're a child and you fall over and you, and you have a, um, a plaster on for too long, if you put, leave the plaster on, it occludes it and the skin is soggy. What you really need is something penetrating the crack to stop scab formation because otherwise every time the scab comes off, the crack gets deeper and deeper and deeper and takes longer to heal and might be prone to bacterial or fungal infection. So what we really need to do with any of these products is get them into the base of the crack. Good point. And, and each time that a baby feeds, if it takes a scab off the top of a crack, then it's causing more and more damage, as well as the mum then seeing the scab maybe being vomited or positived up during the next feed, right. which is going to make right. her feel really bad about, about her feeding. <laughs> so there's, I think the trouble is a lot of these studies are not independent studies and not in peer-reviewed journals. So it's really interesting to look at the ones that are in the Cochrane databases, which really show the difference. Wendy, actually, though, as I was hearing you talk, it dawned on me that sometimes, and I want to defend lanolin creams here for a minute, that that maybe if they're not all created equally, which you and I both agree that they, that they are not all created equally, then maybe some of the information that we have can't be extrapolated to the particular brand that we're using. And so maybe we're painting with a broad brush here. Yep, it could be. So, I mean, there are some that are increasingly popular and on social media, people will say to um, other mums antenatally, you must have a tube of cream when you go into hospital. But you know, Sometimes just knowing that you have something there with you is all you need. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I, you know, if people don't want to be set adrift, and, and I think that that's part of where you're going. Uh, Wendy, can you speak for a moment to the, um, you mentioned it in the first segment about the coconut oil. If Now, I am not a pharmacist, clearly, but my sort of humble understanding is that the uh, the coconut oil has a antifungal property. Is that true? And if so, does it either prevent or help to heal thrush? It does seem to have some, though I haven't seen major studies. Um, the large randomized control studies that we I so love as a pharmacist when I'm looking at drugs we don't get any we of those in, uh-huh. breast, yeah. in breastfeeding. Nobody is going to fund them. But I don't know that they can protect against candida because candida grows on all of our skin. It's a normal commensal right. organism. Right. So true. It's only if we've got damage. Overgrowth, yeah. Yeah, then it, then it can grow, um, have an overgrowth in there. 
But the fact that so many women say it really helps them and is stopping them then going on to taking other medications, antifungal medications like fluconazole instead, that has to be better. If we can stop something when it's first showing signs, then that's better than letting it go to the point where a woman's saying, if I don't get something to treat this, I'm going to have to give up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Wendy, you're an ocean away from me and you're hearing exactly the same thing that I hear from. It's so true. It's so true. So, Wendy, here's one you did not mention, but anybody who knows me knows I'm a big fan of olive oil. Um, And I've never in my life heard of anybody being allergic to olive oil. What do you think of olive oil? Olive oil, I think, is a great thing. And I I recommend it a lot with mums who have got Raynaud's. Saying having some warm olive oil to massage into their nipples that are really sore after yeah. feeding yeah. brings that circulation back. My my favorite version is white soft paraffin, um, the ingredient that's in things like Vaseline. Yes, yes. Really, really cheap, the same as olive oil, that it is just causing that barrier and stopping the 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 skin from drying out drying out absolutely just enough to massage in and and rub between your fingers i guess that's the other thing too is that i prefer the olive oil because it's so for lack of a better term slippery whereas the lanolin cream is not it's it's more i don't know what the word is viscous or something and so it just always seems to me, and I don't worry about it. And I know that the even with the hypoallergenic ones, I know that you're not supposed to get an allergy, but I'm real hesitant to use it with people who have a wool allergy because, of course, it's made with, with sheep. This has all been so interesting, everybody. Now, listen, don't go away because when Wendy and I come back, we're going to be diving into some more of this. We'll be talking about the triple nipple ointment and all sorts of other things. And we also want to talk to you a little bit more about the use of human milk. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto, your host, and I'm here today with a pharmacist, Wendy Jones. Wendy, you did not mention peppermint gel, and that's sort of just a, a newer thing that we've started to see here in the U.S. Do you know anything about peppermint gel at all? Absolutely nothing. I have to admit, that's not something that's transferred across to us at this time. All right. Well, I've got exactly one study on it. And this is the study from, um, excuse me, I got to go back here. It is also from Melly and colleagues. And they said, and I quote, prophylactic peppermint gel in breastfeeding lactating women is associated with fewer nipple cracks and is more effective than lanolin and placebo. So I thought that that was pretty interesting. That sounded, I wonder if it's just, again, that soothing cooling. Oh, that's a really good observation. You're right, because it does have that, you know, like uh, like eucalyptus up your nose or something, right? Yeah, yeah. But I I kind of be a bit concerned because we're always being worried about peppermint oils dropping milk supply. Yeah, well, I was just going to mention that too. Although actually, with the peppermint, I think you have to have a a big volume of it. Yeah. So it may well be that uh, the little bit that you get on your nipples might not matter. I don't know. Um, talk to me a little bit about the human milk because I remember that years ago, and I think I have this study in my pile. Um, uh, I believe it was Linda Pugh and colleagues who showed that, in fact, the human milk on the nipple didn't really do any good. But now here's a newer study. Newer is not necessarily better. I'm not implying that. But um, here is another one from Mohammed uh, that's that said, and I quote, the healing time in the lanolin group was longer than the breast milk group and the control group. So, honestly, when we've only got one or two or three studies and then we've got conflicting studies, I sort of feel like you and I can give an expert opinion as good as the the next person. So, what do you think about putting the mother's milk on the nipples? I noticed you told your daughter to do that. Yeah, I think it's because one of the things that we undervalue about human milk is the number of biological factors in there. And thinking about... Mm -hmm the um, growth factors that are in human milk mm-hmm. and that, that actually they stimulate cells to grow. So is it difficult to assume that if the milk is applied to a wound that it actually is stimulating the cells to regenerate and having that antibacterial and antifungal activity at the same time and being really, really cheap? Yeah, like free? Yeah. <laughs> Free? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, you see, I, you see, I think if you say something is free, you oh, undervalue yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Or as my good friend Jim Acre would say, human milk isn't free; it's priceless. I love that line. Uh, Wendy, that is probably the most convincing argument that I have ever heard. I've never heard that argument. It's a really good rationale for why the milk would work. That's just totally insightful of you. So let me tell you what's really popular here in the U.S. and in Canada, from what I understand. And that is the all-purpose nipple ointment. A lot of times this has been called the magic nipple cream. I mentioned it to my good friend here in the U.S. who is a pharmacist, and she about freaked out. She said there is uh, a cortisone component there, and she said, this is Pharmacy 101. We were always taught not to put a cortisone preparation on an uh, open wound. Absolutely. Well, I have, is that true? Absolutely. And it, it, uh, cortisones actually thin the skin. Oh, that's true. They do. That's true. Okay. So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. I actually do often recommend a cortisone cream by itself on sore nipples that are inflamed. Inflamed, but that's Inflamed different. and itchy, but, but that's by itself. Whereas right. this, you, you're getting, you've got a wound and you're throwing everything at it. And right. it kind of, as a pharmacist, I'm also thinking about... You're, you're almost 
encouraging bugs to grow because you're exposing them to an antibiotic and an antifungal activity both at the same time. So if you get any resistant organisms, they're going to be much harder to grow. So let's say it hasn't done the trick, then you could have a more severe infection. It hasn't largely come across to the UK because it has to be sent away to be made up um, oh, by right. the equivalent of a, a compounding pharmacy. Compounding pharmacy. Uh, and it would cost around £150, like £120, oh. £130 a, tu- a dollars a tube. Oh, wow. How big is the tube? Um, it Little. could be any size, but probably 15 to 30 grams. Uh, for you US-based folks, that's about an ounce. That's very little. Yeah. Yeah. Half Very to one ounce. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, that's pretty steep. So most people in the UK are are not having it prescribed, um, and we're ha- having a lot more things about not using antibiotics unless there are positive cultures. Yes, I would agree with that. Yes, we we've got a big dose of the. Uh, we don't go to antibiotics nowadays. You know, it used to be, good grief, all you had was a sneeze and somebody was giving you an antibiotic, but those days are gone. Well, as far as I know, we only have one study on the all-purpose nipple ointment, or as some people call it, the triple nipple cream or the magic ointment. Um, and again, this study was another one done by Cindy Lee Dennis, and this was released in 2012. And if I remember, why, Wendy, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that this was published in Breastfeeding Medicine. And let me tell you, you don't get something published there unless uh, it's a pretty good study. And her conclusion was, and I quote, results suggest that the all-purpose nipple ointment is not superior to lanolin in treating painful, damaged nipples. So from the pharmacist's perspective, would you be so comfortable as to say that you really try to avoid this uh, that has the antibiotic, the antifungal, and the cortisone-based? It's, and unless you can see that there is an exudate that needs something, if all we're doing is healing a crack, why are we putting all of this on it when something simple and using moist wound healing would do the trick? Yeah. It's too complicated. I, it's not something I would be happy to recommend. And I know there will be lots of people that will disagree and say, I've seen it do this, I've seen it do that. Absolutely, absolutely. But, but what are, else is going on in the picture at the same time as using this cream? You, uh, is somebody getting some help with the attachment? Is enough of it getting into the crack to do the moist wound healing? Is um, it just babies getting used to feeding and mum's nipples are, are getting used to feeding? Wendy, you bring up another whole point, and I don't know you real well, but I've talked to you enough to know that you're kind of a back-to-basics kind of a woman. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that that bothers me when people want to put this stuff on their nipples, what bothers me is that they think that's going to either prevent or cure something, and what bothers me is maybe they just need better positioning and latch. Absolutely. And, and and the the magic wand there is a pair of expert eyes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the knowledge on how to do it. And and somehow over the last 30, 40 years where we've had such low breastfeeding rates across the whole of the developing world, we've lost some of those skills. Absolutely. If I had five pounds for every mum, I heard say to me, um, somebody has looked at my latch and says it's okay, Goodbye, but yes. it really, really hurts. <laughs> okay, I'm, I can retire very happily to somewhere nice and warm and comfortable. Warm. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Wendy, I, I will admit, there have been mothers that in my young day, I looked at and I said, oh, there's nothing wrong with their latch. There's nothing wrong with this baby's positioning. And, you know, at some point I got, smarter, wiser, more observant, I don't know what. And I began to realize that I wasn't looking for the right thing or I wasn't looking at the right time or I wasn't, uh, well, 
they totally don't, don't have glass in their uh, glass mirrors in their mouth that we can see exactly. what's going on. They don't. And, you know, I tell the young nurses, you can't do what I call the hallway assessment. You can't stand in the hallway, look at yeah. the mother and, you know, say, is everything all right in there? How's it going? Yeah. You, 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 just, you can't, can't see. But it, it's not just watching during the feed it's watch watching the way the baby goes on to the breast the way the baby comes off the breast what the the nipples are doing absolutely Um, i would i I remember a paper years ago that was called breastfeeding with your eyes shut Ooh, what a great paper i'm not familiar with it (laughs) it it was it was very i mean i'm talking probably 30 years ago now but it, it was the fact that you know when it's right when your eyes are closed and you're not sure that the baby is there well, it's so comfortable some, that you're just relaxed. <laughs> some years ago, the um, Royal College of Midwives put out a video, and it was in the early 1990s. And I want to say that Chloe Fisher headed that up. Yep. And they had a mother on there, and they asked her how it felt. And I can still hear her. She said, it was lovely. Yes. And I often... I, I teach my, my comprehensive lactation course here in the U.S. I, I do it both online as well as in person. But in the in-person classes, I often say to, to the, the participants, unless you can imagine the mother saying, it was lovely, then guess what? It probably isn't lovely. And you've got to watch those non-verbals because it's just so, so important. Hey, everybody, do not go away. You know that Wendy and I could talk forever, but we have another nine minutes and we're going to take those minutes. So don't go away. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today with pharmacist uh, Wendy Jones. Wendy, this hour has gone way too fast, and I really did not get a chance to ask you everything I wanted to because, of course, I really want to just, like, spend a day with you. But anyway, (laughs) um, you mentioned something that I'm not familiar with at all, which is calendula cream. Uh, At least I presume it's a cream, not an ointment. But um, I know what calendula is, but can you talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, I th- I think one of the reasons that it, it's come into prominence or, or come and gone over the last 20 years is because of people's belief that herbal remedies are safer than uh, pharmacologically m- remedies. Yep. So, yeah, so they'll go to a herb and a herb that promotes healing and 
therefore make the connection that this is going to, again, prevent sore nipples and promote healing if they happen. It is a slightly greasier cream but not quite an ointment. Does that make sense? (laughs) That's not a very pharmacological way to describe something. No, I know what you mean. um, But again, it's just moisturizing and soothing. The same way, it's one of my favorite ones for if I've got cracks on my hands in the cold. Over here just today, the temperature is very low, um, which is why my hands are so sore. So it's an an ideal preparation for that. But it's it again is just putting the moisture in, just soothing. And Wendy, just like quick, quick, I'm sure this is deeper than this, but if your hands or your nipples or anything get too dry, does that create an itching problem? And then do you find yourself needing to use some sort of a cortisone? In other words, can those things sort of lead one to the other? Yeah. I, I think if you, if you let anything get too dry, then you need need a cortisone to stop the inflammation. So it's back to that phrase that I had before of being supple. The skin yeah. needs to be soothed and comforted, and and just like you use an an oil in in a bath or a shower, well, your nipples true. are be, being exposed to a lot of friction during the feed. They're being exposed multiple times a day. They're out in the middle of the night. Um, and and they're 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 against breast pads and things like that, which are sucking sure. moisture away from them as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think if we can can keep them supple, we also have a lot of women who get eczema and psoriasis on their nipples. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And you um, know, I'm going to ask you back to talk about that, right, Wendy? <laughs> I mean, I hope that nobody thinks you're welcome, wearing out your welcome here, but I, I, you have a wealth of knowledge and I'm not even sure how I originally found you, but I just thought, oh man, this woman really knows a lot of stuff. So Wendy, what about aloe vera gel? Because here in the U.S., we think of aloe vera as being, uh, you know, really a fabulous substance for your skin. So what about, can you put it on nipples? Is there any downside to it? There, there is some concern over using it because we don't quite know what is going to happen with the amount that the baby absorbs. Now, with any cream, you put it on at the end of a feed and it should be sparingly. So by the time the baby feeds next time, it will be okay. But I think so often... Um, if they can see anything that's there. And the product that I'm most aware of is a slightly green tinge to it. Now, I don't know whether that's just the one that I've, I've used. Um, and I, I think, think it, as well as the clear, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If I was a breastfeeding mother and my nipples had a slightly green tinge to them when I went to feed, I would automatically go and wash to make sure that that wasn't there. And by washing, she's going to dry her nipples out again. That was my so next question. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes I think that some of these things actually do have value, but if you're going to scrape them off, then it seems to me like you've lost part of what you've gained. Yeah. And Wendy, is there ever a time that you can think of that you would tell a mother to apply a cream liberally? Because I always say sparingly, 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 but is is there ever an exception to the sparingly rule? I can't think of any one case where I would say anything other than sparingly. sparingly. Yeah. But I think this psychological thing of thinking, if a little bit helps, a lot uh-huh. will help more. Yeah. And yeah. actually, it can make it worse. And, yes, and you I know, agree. thinking of some of the creams for, for, for nipple soreness, every time the baby slip, uh, goes to feed, it's slipping off the end of the nipple because this, this cream left on there. And yes, it's trying hard yes. to grasp, and it's, it's like yes. the slippery baby coming out of the bathwater. Yes, yes. And, you know, that's uh, sort of a side effect that's we don't usually think of as a side effect, but it, but it is a side effect yeah. for sure. So, Wendy, we only have a minute or so left here, but can you quick tell us about your book and tell us about your website? How can we get more Wendy Jones if we just want to hear more from Wendy? Okay, my website is www.breastfeeding-and-medication.co.uk and it came from the very first of my books, which is called Breastfeeding and Medication, which is, has a new edition out next year. Oh, nice. um, 
Yeah, um, with a lovely, beautiful picture of my daughter and grandson on it. So I'm very, very pleased with this book at the moment. Um, there are two other books. One is called The Importance of Dads and Grandmas to the Breastfeeding Mum. And we did a show um, on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and my, uh, what I call my political book, which is called Why Mother's Medication Matters, where I actually gave vent to some of my frustrations that women were perpetually being told, if you need a drug, you can't breastfeed. Uh, yes. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Drives yeah. me absolutely nuts. So, because but- here in the U.S., and, um, you know, I haven't really talked with you outside of the radio show, but you probably know that I spent many years working with Dr. Ruth Lawrence here in the U.S., who wrote, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the Bible of breastfeeding. Yeah, first book she, I bought, after yours. Yeah. <laughs> um, she always taught me there are very uh, relatively few situations where you have to wean in order to, because the, the medication is so dangerous. In just a simple way, would you agree with that? Absolutely. I take about 10,000 contacts a year and in maybe 50, maybe outside 100, do I have to say to a mum, no, you can't breastfeed permanently. Maybe sometimes he has to stop for a while, pump and dump, but rarely. But rarely. Yeah. And see, that's the part that people don't get is that, yes, sometimes that is necessary, but very, very seldom. Uh, Yeah, that's actually, Wendy, I didn't know about that particular book. So uh, I guess we're just going to have to have more Wendy Jones on her (laughs) website. And Wendy, repeat that website for us, please, if you would. Breastfeeding hyphen and medication hyphen dot co dot UK. Well, that's terrific. So you should feel free to uh, visit Wendy there. But that's all the time that we have. And before we go, I would like to uh, thank Wendy Jones for being with us today. Wendy, thank you so much. Thank you, Marie. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. And I'd like you to come back next week. Now, if you're interested in Wendy's books, we will be promoting them through our website. But you can also go to web her website directly and if you would like to read my blog or look at what I have uh, promoted for others that have been on the show that I believe are worthwhile references go to borntobebreastfed.com again that's borntobebreastfed.com for the books or media or my blog or whatever for uh, parents that are listening if you are a professional and you are looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation i'm your source for evidence based practice on the web and sometimes your city go to breastfeedingoutlook.com again that's breastfeedingoutlook I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next week, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuto next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.